just my biggest advice to anybody listening would be that if you don't think that something is right after birth or years after birth, because that can happen too, then please, please speak up. Um, you know, go to your doctors, refer yourself to counselling, see a physiotherapist. There's definitely the help out there. And I just wish I'd known about it a couple of years ago. Welcome back to the Mothers with Fourth Degree Tears podcast, where you will hear firsthand stories from mothers who experienced fourth degree tears in childbirth and hear from the professionals who work with them. My name is Laura Fry and I'm your host. I am the founder of the Fourth Degree Tear Support Group on Facebook and a patient advocate for women with severe tearing in childbirth. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode, we have Emma in the UK who is going to tell us about her story of her fourth degree tear that happened um, a couple of years ago. And so welcome to the podcast, Emma. Hi there. Hi. Nice to to chat to you. Yeah, you too. Um, If you want to go ahead and jump into um, just telling us a bit about your story, you can go ahead and do that. Um, So my birth story, or rather my birth trauma story, uh, goes back to June 2017 um, when I gave birth to my my first child, uh, my little girl, Annabelle. And um, I had a lovely pregnancy, which was a very much planned one. Um, I've actually been with my husband for about 15 years now, which is which is crazy. But we'd we'd got married and um, sort of of years of, of being married, we wanted to have a little one. So um, I was a teacher at the time, fell pregnant pretty easily, um, like I say, had a glorious pregnancy, was able to keep teaching. Um, I was still teaching PE, like towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, so everything was going pretty well. Um, I'd had a couple of checkups here and there um, up at the, the midwife unit, um, just sort of the usual things like growth scans and things like that, just, you know, when midwives want to check on things. Um, but overall, kind of didn't have any, didn't have any morning sickness. Everything was just really, really good. So um, I think I kind of went into labor just thinking, well, do you know what? I've had pregnancies. Um, my body's designed to do this. I'm going to be absolutely fine. Um I mean, the day before I actually gave birth, I was walking around a local park, absolutely fine. We were discussing names and the sun was shining. And I think I kind of just thought, you know, in a couple of days time, I'm going to have my baby. I'll be back at home and I'll be back walking around the park again. Um, needless to say, that didn't didn't quite go the way that I expected. Um, so the day that I actually went into labour, um, I'd gone up to the hospital in the morning because I hadn't felt Annabelle kick. Um, every morning I kind of had Weetabix with probably far too much sugar on, but she would always kind of kick once I'd had my breakfast. Um, so she hadn't at that day. So I thought, right, well, I need to go up. Um, something isn't feeling right. Um, and I was pretty sure at that point anyway that I was sort of at the beginning bits of labour. Um, so the kind of put me on the monitor and they said because it was the third time that I'd been on the monitor um that it was likely that in labor I would have to be strapped to a monitor as well um Mm -hmm. so this kind of dashed my hopes and dreams of a water birth which was um something I really really wanted class during pregnancy I'd learned about how to be calm and breathing through everything um and I kind of just always envisioned that I would be in a water, in the water, nice and warm, 
um, I guess sort of the idyllic birth that every woman kind of hopes for. Um, but basically they said that that couldn't be possible um, and that would have to be strapped to the monitor. What I didn't realise at the time, because nobody really kind of told me, and this is something that I do want other women to realise, is just because you're strapped to a monitor doesn't mean that you have to have all your hopes dashed of an active labour. So I had a birthing ball with me, but at no point did anybody say, you are actually okay to still use Mm. that. I was kind of put on the bed and... I kind of just thought I had to stay there the whole time. Mm. Um, so I was on my back and I was l- going from side to side with contractions. Um, I mean, a lot of my labour was uh, quite blurry just because it went on for so long. It was about 25 hours in total. Mm. Um, I had gas in air. I didn't have an epidural. But I was kind of quite proud of my body and how I was kind of coping. I was definitely coping with it better than I expected. And then it got to a certain point early hours of the morning and um, basically I had this urgency to go to the toilet and they kept getting me up and bringing the monitor over it was a a real palaver and I kind of felt like I was annoying the midwife that's the kind of feeling I had like oh I'm gonna have to get out of bed again she's gonna take me over she looks really annoyed about this Um, and I just couldn't go Um, then they were trying to put like a bedpan underneath me but I mean it's not exactly the the easiest thing to to try and go to the toilet when you've got sort of a room <laughs> a room full of strangers right. and um i kind of flagged up the fact that i'd had bladder issues in the past and that it was concerning me that oh and i just couldn't so in the end the midwife seemed quite frustrated and she said right well you're going to have to have a catheter in um Basically, when she tried to put the catheter in is probably when I would say my trauma of the birth story began. Um, It was just so, so painful and it just wasn't happening. Whether that was mixed in with the contractions, I'm not sure. But she was kind of trying and getting more and more frustrated with me. And obviously, if you do, you'll know yourself, but anyone who does the research, you've got to keep calm in labour. You know, stress is not what you really want on your body and in your mind. Um, and yeah, she, she, she was getting quite frustrated. So I was getting highly stressed. And in the end, she called for a doctor to come in. Um, and this was such a calming, um, reassuring sort of person who came in. And she got the catheter in straight away, um, which kind of just, you know, eased things for, for a little while. Um, the rest of it after that goes into a little bit of a blur. I know my husband said I was just sort of, somehow falling asleep I, I just don't know it obviously was the gas and air and whatever else they've given me um but then all I know is my waters broke and um they said that it was meconium in the waters um I didn't actually realize at this point what that meant to me um it was just a case of we're gonna have to invite doctors down for when your baby's born so I didn't really think too much of it but then I was placed on my back um and my legs were put into stirrups and I was told to push really really hard um and obviously anybody listening to that will probably know that's to labor um I don't really know what went on there I suppose I can think that she was maybe getting stressed that the doctors were there and waiting for Annabelle to be born but I just became extremely stressed at that point um tried to do controlled breathing but ended up pushing quite hard Mark who's my husband was there for the birth as in 
right down there to see baby being born. And he just said it was the most traumatising thing that he's ever seen because as soon as she was crowning, apparently my whole vulva just split mm. um, in multi-directions, unfortunately. Um, I don't think I could feel that necessarily at the time, but when you look up and see your husband who's pale white and a midwife who looks in deep shock and doctors kind of stood in the corner, you kind of realise something's gone wrong here so obviously they got Annabelle out um luckily she was absolutely fine beautiful I got to see her face I got to you know quickly hold her before she went over to the doctors for a check over um but that's when the room kind of went really somber and very um serious um I was told that I'd torn really really badly um I was bleeding out and that I would have to go to theatre um, they told me originally that it was second degree tears, but because the directions that they were going to treat it as third degree. So that was going to go down to theatre. So, I mean, this is the part that I get really, really upset about because I was obviously taken away from Annabelle and sort of that initial bonding time that I think every woman kind of expects to have with their baby mm-hmm. um, sort of the cooing over the baby and, you know, kissing, kissing the forehead and, you know, looking at your husband and and thinking, you know, this is amazing. And obviously that moment was amazing, but it was it was certainly interrupted in the way that I didn't expect. Um, so I got taken down to theatre. I was down there for a good few hours. I could tell by the amount of people that were coming into the room that it was quite... were struggling to stitch me up. Um, Mark was left behind with Annabelle in a room on his own. And you're kind of just lying there thinking, what on earth has happened to me? Um, And then after that, went into recovery, went up to the uh, maternity ward. um, And again, kind of didn't really think too much of it after that. I was placed back with Annabelle. I was kind of out of it um, because obviously all the drugs that they've used to, to help, you know, keep me calm when they were stitching me up. But I was able to get Annabelle to latch on um, because I knew that I wanted to breastfeed. And I think after that, I was kind of just on cloud nine and thought, yeah, this is fine. I've been through it. I've got through it. Um, It's all going to be okay. Um, Visiting hours came and went. Parents came to see Annabelle, my brother. And I was still in a lot, a lot, a lot of pain. Um, But kind of just put it down to, well, I'm a first time mum. I had a pretty rough labour and I've had a theatre surgery after that um and then as time went by I just felt that something else was wrong um Mark had gone home at this point and I just something just told me that something wasn't right in my body I felt really really weary I was in a lot of pain and I basically had a little bit of a feel down there and it was all just rock hard and very 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 swollen um so it's about nine o'clock at night at this point. The midwife sort of peeked her head round and said that she was on duty that night. And um, I kind of just said, something doesn't feel right down there. Would you have a little look? And again, face that you don't want the midwife to pull is sort of that alarming face of, oh my goodness, what on earth is going on here? And she rushed for the senior midwife who then rushed for a doctor who then rushed for a consultant Next thing I know, I'm back in surgery again, um, this time under general anaesthetic. And what I'd been told just before I went down, 
um, was that I had a pelvic hematoma. I had no clue what that was. I just knew that the doctors were very keen to get me into theatre. I was kind of doing the whole, because they had to get me to sign pieces of paper to say that I was happy to go under general anaesthetic, etc. And I was saying, well, I'm, I'm not signing anything if I don't know what I'm actually getting done. And I just remember Mark at this point being like, Emma, seriously, you need to sign the paper. He's obviously picked up on the mood of the room and, and thought this is actually quite, quite a serious situation. She needs to go down. Um, and the next thing I remember was being in the, in the theatre and just before the gas mask, not the gas mask, sorry, the oxygen, oxygen mask went over my face, the senior midwife came back and said, I just want to let you know um, your husband loves you very much. I just thought, oh my goodness, like, this is it, I'm going to die. Like, that's the kind of thing that you get told. Like, when you watch the movies and people say they love you so much, that's the stuff that makes you think this is not, this is not a usual practice. This is not normal. Um, And then obviously I was out like a light with the oxygen, whatever else they put in your arm. Um, And then, yeah, that was kind of the start to a long road of recovery because I'd had um, I was kept in hospital for a week. I was in just the most indescribable pain, like excruciating pain. Um, I'd had horrible hemorrhoids. I had horrible fissures. Everything was swollen down there. I still had the catheter in. I couldn't move off the bed. Um, so again, sort of that bonding time, the things that you think that you're going to do for your little one. I wasn't able to get up. I didn't change a nappies. I didn't get a dressed. Um, I was kind of between sort of sleeping, managing pain and breastfeeding. I think that's pretty much all I did for a week. Um, Consultants were coming out of my room. So were midwives and just sort of saying, yeah, we don't normally have quite this long. Um, So I knew I knew that something I knew that something wasn't right. And um, I was really, really emotional that week. Obviously, hormones anyway are flying through your body. But I just knew that this this wasn't this wasn't a good start to things. Um, and basically, I when I got discharged, I ended up back at that hospital nearly every day. Um, I got loads of it. Things just weren't clearing up. The pain was not subsiding. I could barely stand to even change Annabelle's nappy, let alone anything else. I was literally just laid on the sofa. Visitors would come round and obviously you do your whole happy face. And, 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 and I mean, I say that in terms of I was obviously over the over the boon to have Annabelle. Yeah. But there was obviously this other side of things going on as well, where I thought, what on earth has happened to me? Um, after about six weeks of traipsing up and down to this hospital with a newborn and Mark trying to juggle his work on top of things, I just turned around and said, something is seriously wrong here. And I've had so many batches of antibiotics. Nothing is clearing this up. And I think I got to the point where my stubborn side kind of came out. And I thought, I just... One thing that I really want women to realise in this is, you know your own body, you know if something's not right. And I, that's how I felt. So I basically said, um, I requested an MRI. I said, something is going on here and something isn't right. So the results of that MRI found a rectovaginal fistula um, and then quite severe hemorrhoids in there as well. Um, 
so after that it was kind of back to the drawing board with what on earth we did with that the hospital that I actually gave birth in um a lot they they got me to see the colorectal surgeon um and he I just remember breaking my heart in his office because he just kind of laid out how serious fistulas are how difficult they are to um treat that surgeries are really difficult and then you go home from an appointment like that and all you do is you type in to google Mm. and my head was just spinning you sit and all you get is horror story after horror story of I've had 15 surgeries I've had 10 surgeries or I'm not healed and I literally just thought at that point my active life my life as I know it is just over even though it's meant to begin with having a child you know it's meant to be this new chapter in my life I was 28 at the time and I just thought that's it for me like you know what am I going to do with myself um and basically after that it's just been a stream of surgeries I've had a surgery for the fistula so I had a seton put in place um unfortunately that then led to more fissures so then I had to pay privately. So over here in the UK, as I'm sure you'll know from speaking to lots of people over here, mm-hmm. um, we have the NHS, but we also have access to private care if we obviously pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't under any insurance at the time because I went into labour as a fit and healthy 28-year-old. You don't kind of expect to have issues afterwards. Um, so basically what was happening was the NHS waiting really really long it was difficult to get seen um it was often if you wait another six months we'll see if you're healed and I'm not the most patient person anyway (laughs) but I think when you throw in birth injuries and just wanting to get on with your life and trying to deal with chronic daily pain plus looking after a newborn it waiting six months is literally the equivalent of waiting six years Mm -hmm. I think when when you're in chronic pain um so we made the decision to do a, a bit of both. So I've had some surgeries on the NHS and I've had some treatment privately. Um, and again, that's been, you know, financially really difficult for us as a family. Again, I didn't expect to have to give up my job as a teacher. We had two good wages coming in, but, you know, the pain meant that I couldn't go back to work. Um, so in total, I've had 10 surgeries Um, to date and I'm due to have some more Um, the surgeries have been for the fistula for um, examinations under general anaesthetic to check the state of the fistula to check the scarring I had a Fenton's procedure done because the scarring was so thick that it was just really painful Um, my main symptoms were basically that as soon as I stood up everything just ached down there and um yeah just physical activity was really really difficult having sex was basically a Mm no-go um yeah just the thing even things like sitting down I mean I went on holiday at four months postpartum something that I'd already booked for my husband um when I was pregnant and I had to carry a pillow around with me I mean it's just not the life that you expect to have so those surgeries and then at about a year postpartum I decided to go into counselling as well because I just wasn't dealing with it very well mentally, which I think a lot of women would probably say the same. You know, all of this at, at somebody and, you know, I think anybody would would struggle to, to cope with right. it. Um, 
it just took me a long time to kind of admit admit that though mm-hmm. um I think for the first year I was kind of under the illusion of if I ask for help then it means I'm failing as mm-hmm. a mother um so it took me a long time to sort of detach the two and realize that I was still being a fantastic mum to Annabelle but I need to deal with these life life-changing episodes yeah. um and I would just say that the the counselling has really, really helped me. I think that you can go so far with surgeries, you can go so far with physiotherapy, which I've had as well, um, but you need to address the mental side. And I think having that in partnership with the physiotherapy and the surgeries has sort of pushed forward my recovery. Um, so I started seeing, I started seeing a women's health physio, So I see one on the NHS weekly and I also see um, two women health physios privately, one in London and one um, nearby to where I live. And that's just been life changing for me as well, what they've been able to do for me. Because I think, again, I mean, I don't know what your experience is with this with other women, but surgeries, again, only take you so far. Mm. And sometimes surgeons kind of turn around and say, they sure what else to do for you um and I think in my case I had chronic pain for so long that it had kind of changed the the nerve pathways um and there was a lot of links between what my brain was doing and what the physical symptoms were doing so needed to address all of that as kind of like a holistic view of things um so luckily I found a really really good team I found a really good physiotherapy team I found a brilliant counsellor um, and I'm, I'm now doing EMDR, mm. which is something that I'm going to be talking about tonight um, on my Instagram page. So I opened my Instagram page as well, um, Recover Together 88, just to help other people a bit like what you're doing. Um, there's just so many women out there who need the help and support. And I know that two years ago when I set out in all of this, I was obviously using Google. I found some Facebook groups like yours and um, another one that was really, really helpful. Um, But there became a point where I was like, right, although the stories are really, really helpful, we've got to be able to show women as well that there's hope at the end of this as well, Mm -hmm. that you can get better. So I decided to to sort of use Instagram as as that sort of platform as well to help other people. and that's, that's been really good for me as well, because talking to others, being able to help them, but also other people saying, I've been in the same position. Because um, it's so, so lonely when you start off like this with birth injuries and birth trauma. Um, you know, if you're around a group of friends that have given birth as well, and they've had, you know, a, a great birth experience or as good of a birth experience as you could hope for, you're kind of saying to them, well, do you, do you have this pain when you go to the toilet? Mm-hmm. Do you have pain when you're, and they're kind of saying, no, I'm back at the gym, mm. I'm back at work. And all of a sudden you just feel so, so lonely. Um, so I think things like through social media have really helped me and I'm, I'm sure it will help other women as well, like listening to these podcasts. So I'm really hopeful that anybody listening to this tonight um, can, can, there is light at the end of the tunnel there is help out there for people whether it's mentally or physically um and yeah just just keep going just my biggest advice to anybody listening would be that if you don't think that something is right after birth or years after birth because that can happen too 
then please, please speak up. Um, you know, go to your doctors, refer yourself to counselling, see a physiotherapist. There's definitely the help out there. And I just wish I'd known about it a couple of years ago because um, <laughs> there is there is that platform. Yeah, I hope that's that's helpful. It's quite a big story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's very helpful. Um, you also, in addition to creating your Instagram account, um, you didn't mention that you um, have shared your story on a few uh, bigger, even media accounts, um, like have, the article. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, if I you forgot wanted to, to talk that. about that experience, yeah, yeah. So, um, because I have physiotherapy down in London um, with a, an absolutely fantastic team, they actually turned around and said to me, "Have you ever kind of shared your story on, you know, a bigger scale to help other people?" Um, and I knew that I wanted to help others, but I'd never really known where to start. Um, and luckily they, they knew somebody that was able to help me out with that. So yeah, we, we, we wrote a story. Well, I say we wrote a story. <laughs> she listened to my story and she wrote it, um, Davina. Um, and yeah, we, it, it got published in a number of, um, a number of magazine, well, a number of media, um, platforms such as Daily Mail, and again, I mean, I read through the comments. I mean, I think it was shared over like nearly 2,000 shares over there. So mm. again, it just, it kind of just shows, doesn't it, that there's so many people out there that need that help. The fact that people were sharing, the fact that people were commenting on it. Um, I mean, I didn't do it for the comments, but to read that people were saying, thank you for helping and mm -hmm. thank you for putting your story out there just shows that we need that awareness out there. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things where it's not to scare people who are getting pregnant. I mean, I don't think I would have necessarily wanted to know the ins and outs of all my gory details when I was pregnant because the chances of it happening to so many women is, is you know, I had quite rare injuries. But yeah. birth injury, birth trauma is not rare right. and it's happening far too much. Um, and I think we need to collectively speak about it. We need to get it out there. This is something that needs to change. Um, and that was really my biggest motivation was one, helping other people and two, finding a way to make a change and voicing this. Um, because quite frankly, I just feel like enough's enough. Like there's just too many people devastated by it in something that should be life changing in the most positive way. Um, not life-changing where you feel that you know you've lost part of mm -hmm. yourself um so yeah I'm, I'm hoping to get more out there um I'll I'll see I'll see what the future brings but I'm I'm certainly determined to to help a bit like you you're you're there mm -hmm. to help other people as well and I think if we're all in it together mm -hmm. um hopefully we're we're a force to be reckoned with <laughs> and we can we can get the message out there that's that's the plan yeah absolutely <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully um, by sharing our stories, not only will we be helping the other women, um, but another big goal is to try to improve the care that we're receiving um, medically. Yeah. yeah, to hopefully yeah. try yeah, to definitely. prevent these from happening in the first place, or if they do happen, um, yeah, to just get better care right away to take them really seriously. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've, heard a lot from and I experienced it myself you you get put into this box of well you've just given birth or mm. you're just a first time mom and it's like well actually you need to listen to us because we know our bodies yeah. and, and I we know when something isn't right and even if 
it, say it was an anxious first time mum who maybe didn't have issues as it turned out. What's wrong with checking them over right. to give them that peace of mind? Yeah. Because what... And I just feel like I wish that I'd been checked over quicker. Um, well, I'm just... A, a number of things I could probably talk about, but I, should, I, probably, I probably shouldn't. But certainly in terms of the care, just needs to be consistent. Um, I mean, I don't know if you find this over where you are, but when I would talk to women, they would say, well, actually, I healed really, really well because I was given a leaflet and I was told how to look after my, um, after my stitches. I was told what exercises mm -hmm. to do and what not to do and how to sit. And I think, hold on, you were at a hospital like... 30 miles away from me why was I you know like why was I not given that leave right like to me the the same care should be across the board mm -hmm. for everywhere absolutely um and I think people are saying oh well we hadn't really dealt with that many fourth degree tears before we mm. haven't dealt with this serious nature well if that's the case these these tears are happening so they need educating on it they need to know how to help that mother and the partner mentally and physically it's these things are rare so well if it happens let's see how we deal with it right something needs to change um so hopefully i mean you never know who listens to these podcasts you never know who looks on social media um and i know there's so many amazing people out there who who are already voicing these things on a bigger scale um and let's just hope that we can add to that really and, and push it forward. Yeah. Just thank you for sharing. Um, like you said, there are, even though it's considered to be rare, there are um, a lot more women, you know, that do go through this that aren't speaking about it. Um, and so being someone mm -hmm. who is open about it and willing to share your story. Um, yeah. It just puts a voice and a face um, to this yeah. yeah so yeah a huge thank you to you um for being oh, you're more than welcome yeah. um well thank you thank you for allowing me to come on as well so um yeah it's 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 just good to get it out there isn't it and I think mm -hmm. like you say if um if it takes a few people to just do that to give others the confidence to you know go and seek help then then job job good done really isn't <laughs> it <laughs> absolutely yeah Thank you for listening to this episode of Mothers with Fourth Degree Tears podcast. If you have any comments or questions or if you would be interested in being a guest on our show, please email me at motherswithfourthdegreetears at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and hope to talk to you again soon.